From WGCU News, this is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Since OpenAI released ChatGPT toward the end of last year, there's been a surge in public awareness about and use of artificial intelligence. While researchers have been working toward AI for decades and companies have been using tools that harness it on some level for years, this new class of AI represented by ChatGPT and its successor GPT-4 and similar programs like Google's BARD and Meta's Llama represent a major leap forward in the technology and it's no longer only available to companies but to anyone with a computer. This all represents a major leap forward in technological capability, but also the possibility for massive disruption in many fields, including education. On today's show, we're going to learn about efforts at Florida Gulf Coast University to stay on top of this new learning curve we're all facing on some level. The university is presenting a fall generative AI learning series for its faculty and staff that explores the technology, how it's impacting higher education, and how it can be harnessed by educators in the classroom. I spoke yesterday with FGCU's Provost Faculty Fellow for AI to learn more. Let's hear that conversation now. Dr. Chris Sanreilly is an artificial intelligence and machine learning researcher and strategist and a management instructor in Florida Gulf Coast University's Lutgert College of Business, as well as Provost Faculty Fellow for AI here at FGCU. Dr. Reilly, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So for starters, just tell us a bit about yourself and your background. From my reading, it looks like you spent quite a few years in industry before you worked your way into academia. Is that correct? Absolutely. So I worked in industry for about 19 years, primarily in Ohio. And I spent quite a bit of time working in healthcare. That's actually where I got my start in artificial intelligence. So I worked for a company called Standard Textile, and we used to make sheets, towels, and gowns. Plus, we also sold, at the time, we called it decision support services to help commercial laundries and healthcare systems make decisions and manage their material management systems. At the time, we called them decision support systems, but by today's standards, they would be considered artificial intelligence. Can you explain what the term enterprise AI means? We hear we on NPR we run a promo for years they've been saying that it's like some company that offers that. That fits into the what we're talking about today, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about enterprise AI, we are looking at organizations that have made a decision, we are going to adopt AI, not just in one department, but we are going to adopt that technology across the institution with the idea of sharing information between departments, breaking down silos, which ideally should help raise productivity and performance throughout the entire organization. So when we think about enterprise AI, we are actually looking at not just one department, but throughout an entire organization. And it allows for the sharing of data, the sharing of technology, the sharing of knowledge and training. It can really bring about a lot of efficiencies for an organization. Your PhD thesis was called Understanding the Complex Ethical Landscape of Artificial Intelligence Adoptions. Mm -hmm. Would seeking to better understand where ethics fit into how or whether companies adopt AI tools be a decent summary of it? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I would tell you, when I worked on my dissertation back in 2020, there was a lot of conversation and dialogue 
there's so much activity at that time in the AI world. And one of the questions I had is, if organizations are thinking about adopting this technology, what ethical considerations do they need to contemplate? Do they need to look at issues of fairness and bias? Potentially, could this AI bring any harms to consumers, to employees, to other stakeholders? I also looked at scalability. If a company decides to adopt artificial intelligence, how can they use that technology in order to scale their business? So an example of that is part of my dissertation. I worked very closely with a company here in Fort Myers by the name of Vectra Digital. And Vectra Digital was bringing on board a very large company, a very large client. And that nationwide client had four or 500 locations. And Vectra was essentially trying to figure out how can we scale our business in order to support this new client. And ultimately, after reviewing several different options, they looked at their resources in-house and recognized we have the expertise, we have the culture, let's go ahead and build our own artificial intelligence. So they did. They built their own AI in-house, and rapidly they brought this technology on board. The chief strategy officer, once they had it built, walked into a staff meeting holding his laptop, set it down on the desk and said, I would like to introduce you to your new coworker. And this technology was going to be used to help manage the budgeting features for a number of their clients. It would also be used to help manage the reporting. So if you think about clients that are running Facebook campaigns or Google AdWords, there's a lot of back-end reporting. So this technology was able to help with that. And finally, we also had several conversations about ethical considerations. Things like how do you maintain uh, the integrity of data? How do you manage the privacy for customer data? Um, those were very, very important considerations. So uh, that um, was a key piece of my dissertation. You did your PhD research um, in the, you got your PhD in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as most people, I think, now know, in the past year, there's been a rise of publicly accessible, like these chat GPT, GPT-4, or the other models, uh, <laughs> their large language models, which has been somewhat of a pivot in this world of quote-unquote AI. Yes. Um, if you had done your PhD today versus then, would there be any fundamental change because of what we've seen publicly or not? You know, wow, that's a really good question. Um, I'm just trying to gauge how much things have changed on a deeper level where you're existing. So it's very interesting because I found, certainly through my dissertation, that a lot of people had the perception that AI is brand new. This is a brand new development. And if we actually sit down and review the history, AI's been around since the 1950s. And since that time, it's had some upswings, some downswings, upward trends in government funding and research, downward trends. And it's really been very incremental until November of 2022. And that's when ChatGPT was introduced. And within a week, they actually had 1 million users that jumped on board. 
And since that time, the growth in generative AI has really been exponential. I think fundamentally from a history standpoint, everything has been very incremental until we hit this Gen AI. With Gen AI, it has really accelerated the, the time frame. A lot of people are very aware of AI right now, thanks to all the news reports about ChatGPT. And of course, now you have Google's Bard. You also have Claude. Um, we are going to continue to see more and more development of this. Google's got another one coming out called Gemini. I saw that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's looking <laughs> very interesting. Um, explain before we pivot to the FGCU stuff in this series. Um, Generative AI. Explain that for our listeners who may hear that and it goes in one ear and out the other. So Versus what we've thought of as AI. This is a new term we're hearing. Yeah. So when we think about generative AI, it's actually based on large language models. Uh, many of these large language models are built based on a very, very large database. It also has the ability to rapidly analyze and compute results. This generative AI uses natural language processing and natural language understanding. It has a very simple user interface. So it's very easy for us to log in. It looks very much like a chat field. You go in, you input a prompt, and it rapidly provides a response. And the underpinning technology can do this very quickly. It's actually built based off of a very large database, the internet, and it can produce a result. Now, when we are accessing Gen AI, we have to recognize it does have some hiccups. Many of the IT researchers are referring to that as hallucinations. Now, when people review the output from generative AI, they have to look at it very closely to make sure it's accurate. <laughs> now, sometimes people blame the AI when they see inaccurate information, but they have to keep in mind that large language model is making a prediction on the very next phrase or the very next set of words based on the prompt that you provide. The AI is just doing its job if it uncovers a hole in the information or a gap in the database, it's gonna make a prediction based on the prompt that we've provided. So having the ability to craft the right prompt is very important. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a growth area for a lot of people. Prompt engineer prompt is a job title, a well-paying job title oh if you know what gosh. you're doing, I guess. Yes. Um, well, let's pivot now to FGCU and uh, how this all interacts with education. You've been at FGCU for how long now? Since 2017. What do you teach? So I teach in the management department. I teach courses like organizational behavior and ethics. I also teach organizational theory and change management. I also piloted FGCU's first artificial intelligence course through the IBM Skills Academy. What was that course? So it was artificial intelligence as part of our workforce development. 
Gotcha. How much overlap is there between AI and courses being taught at FGCU, broadly speaking? Can you kind of talk to that? Sure. Um, so it's been very interesting. As the provost faculty fellow for AI, I've discovered that there are some departments that have really embraced this technology. For example, over in the Whitaker School uh, many people have been researching machine learning. They have already been developing uh, technologies for classroom use. It's been around for a while, um, and the folks in the Whitaker School have definitely embraced it. I can also tell you I have quite a few colleagues in Lutgert Business College that have been very proactive and have been using this technology for a while. I can tell you from my perspective, I have been teaching – AI modules in every one of my management courses for the past four years. My thinking on it is AI is here to stay. It's going to become even more ubiquitous than it already is. And I think it's important that our students are equipped with the right skills, knowledge, and competencies so they are able to live and work in an AI-powered world. So my philosophy is, even though I teach in the management department, I believe it's very important. People need to know and understand how to work with this technology. And a big piece is they need to know and understand the ethical issues related to that. And ultimately, I'll tell you, as the provost faculty f fellow for AI, one of my objectives is to help raise the level of AI literacy here across the campus at FGCU. How much, um, you know, when most people think of um, AI and large language models in education, they immediately go to, oh, students are going to use this to write their papers. How much is the FGCU AI task force looking at ways to, you know, parry and navigate that whole side of things? I know that's not the focus of what we're here to talk about today, sure. but it's certainly something that people and professors are thinking of. Sure, absolutely. Um, and I can tell you, so we have a mix of people from around the university that are part of our AI task force. And I can tell you some of the people that work in composition in the English areas, they are very concerned about making sure that our students have the ability to write their own uh, work and learning how to edit their own work. So they do have some very valid concerns about this technology. That said, as part of the AI task force, for the first week of our new series that we put together on Gen AI, we actually had two workshops and we had about 70 faculty that attended those workshops learning about the AI detectors uh, that are available and talking, having some very open conversation. How can we best manage chat GPT and other gen AI in the classroom? Yeah. So there are some parts of the university where people are still very fearful yeah. of this technology. Well, like you said before I asked that question, it's like education now has to thread the needle between don't let them use it to cheat, but make sure they know how it works because it's part of the future. It is. And I can tell you from my perspective, I believe it's very important that as faculty members, we need to model the ethical use of that technology. So I've been working with ChatGPT and some of the other Gen AI on things like brainstorming. 
brainstorming curriculum, brainstorming some innovative ways to deliver the content. And as part of that process, I'm very open and transparent with students. And I share with them, here's the brainstorming that I came up with. Another example would be I've used ChatGPT to develop some scenarios for classroom use. For example, um, I've used ChatGPT to write ethical scenarios for the classroom use. And I had ChatGPT write the ethical scenarios, and then I looked at it. Here's the key. I tell students all the time, you can't just turn Gen AI loose and allow it to come up with the product. It provides the output. Then you need to look at it. And at that point, you need to add your human intelligence to it. So I did that. I added my human intelligence. Then I walked into the classroom and I shared with the students, this is a collaborative effort between Dr. Really and ChatGPT. Here's how I approach this. I asked ChatGPT to come up with some ethical scenarios. It provided some baseline information. But then I went in and added my own expertise and my experience. This is the output. Now, I'd like you to get into Teams, and I'd like you to work through these ethical scenarios. I did the same thing with a conflict management approach. And I had ChatGPT, ChatGPT and I were collaborated on developing some uh, conflict management approaches for different industries. And then afterwards, after students finished working with those tools, I asked them for feedback. How'd it go? Are there any things I could do to improve this the next time that I teach? And the students really appreciated, number one, I was very transparent about using the technology. And I showed them specifically, here's what ChatGPT produced, here's what Dr. Really produced. And you'll see when you combine these, this is a pretty powerful tool. And then I ask them for feedback. How can I improve it moving forward? And you can feed all that into ChatGPT and have it summarize it for you. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So FGCU is kicking off this fall generative AI learning series. Explain what the series encompasses. So through this series, our intention is to provide faculty with tools and technologies that they can learn about during our series and then take it into the classroom tomorrow. So for the first week, as I mentioned, we looked at some of the artificial intelligence detection tools, Turnitin, and some of the other pieces. And again, we had 70 faculty that participated. They were very engaged. From across the, the, mm -hmm. the campus? Yep. And in addition to that, our e-learning department put together an amazing canvas shell that's designed to serve as a reference so that faculty can go back, they can review all of these valuable resources. In addition, the e-learning department also created some training sessions on technology, AI and technology teaching um, as part of their teaching academies. And that was also shared with the students. Again, we are trying to provide as many resources that we can, as many references, so that we can help faculty alleviate some of their fears and concerns. Last week, uh, we had a faculty member, Dr. Piyush Shah, from the Letgert Business College. He has built 
some chatbots for use in the classroom. And he shared with us how the tool worked. One of the the best things I absolutely loved about his talk, um, many times in classes, we will have students go out and interview professionals. Well, in his chatbot, he has designed it so that students can interview ChatGPT, almost like you were interviewing a professional. And then they can use that information to complete their assignments, mm. which is really pretty cool. Yeah. So that was last week. Um, tomorrow, a group of us are presenting on the Aletheia AI Reading Coach. And the week after that, uh, we are going to be looking at So a group of us are traveling to the University of Central Florida, and we are presenting some of our pilot study results. We're presenting um, some of the preliminary findings that we've had from teaching in the classroom. And we're going to be interacting with other faculty at the University of Central Florida and taking very detailed notes. And we're going to bring that new knowledge back here, and we're going to share it with our colleagues. So the week after that, we're going to have a follow-up meeting with the people that participated in the UCF conference, and we're going to share our learnings from that conference. Uh, We were chatting before the show about Aletheia. It's basically, you said, what did you call it, a reading coach? It's an AI reading coach. So, and you are one of the few people who piloted this. Yes. And and it's like a a special case use of a large language model chatbot kind of thing that you can work with to -hmm. work through a problem. In this case, it was business students that were toward the end of their process, right? Yes. Explain that a little bit more fully. So uh, I piloted the the, uh, program over the summer, and it was in a business strategy course. These students are getting ready to graduate, and part of our intent for the class is to give them a chance to pull together all their knowledge over the past four years and give them some very application-oriented exercises. So one of the pieces is I use, in that class, I use case studies extensively. So we used the Aletheia AI coach as a tool for students to interact and chat with as they digested and studied the case. So I prepared like three critical thinking questions for each one of the the cases. Students would log in. They would identify the supporting evidence from the case. Then they would chat with the Aletheia reading coach and come to some responses for the critical thinking questions. And then the final step is to go back and refine their response and provide an answer to each one of those critical thinking questions. Now, the cool thing was, in addition to the Aletheia AI reading coach, they also participated in the BSG, which stands for Business Strategy Game Competition. And In this competition, students worked in teams. They worked on an athletic footwear company. And over the course of about uh, six, well, it was a summer course, so it was six weeks, but they completed seven rounds of decision-making. And they looked at financial decisions. They looked at HR decisions. They looked at IT decisions, space utilization, and so forth. But Every time they did a round, they received key performance indicators, data, and then they would have to make decisions based on that data. So it was a completely separate industry, completely separate application. For the finale, 
for the BSG game, my students had to present their final results of their BSG game. And during their presentations, I asked each one of the teams, were you able to take any knowledge from the case studies and apply them in this BSG game? There were seven teams. Five of those seven teams reported, yes, we were able to take concepts from the case studies and apply them specifically to this game. And then as a follow-up, I would say, can you provide specific examples from the cases that helped you in this BSG game? Again, five out of seven said yes. So there was transference of learning, but it doesn't stop there. In this BSG game, they are competing with students and universities throughout the United States. At the conclusion of the game, I received a wonderful email from the folks from the BSG game, and they said, we are pleased to report one of your teams won the overall competition. There were 1,200 students participating from 99 universities, and FGCU had one of the winning teams. Wow. So proud of the students. This is an example of using generative AI tools to enhance learning. That's definitely something that that's like your wheelhouse right now. Yes. But as you know, as these capabilities improve, it's going to change the landscape. You know, we've talked for years about how hard it is to teach kids for a future that's uncertain. Yeah. And now it's really changed a lot. Like, just talk a little bit before we wrap up about the challenges of being an educator in a time when there may be careers that are no longer there in 10 years or (sighs) careers that will be there that we can't even imagine yet in 10 years. Is that accurate? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, AI is really changing the landscape of organizations. And it's not just business. In healthcare, we're seeing AI. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that. You came from that world. Sure. (laughs) There's all kinds of layers there. Oh, my goodness. Um, But I I think a big piece is I want to teach my students how to learn. And I want them to be as excited and enthusiastic about learning about this technology as I am. So I think a big piece is to actually model for students this openness to uncertainty, this willingness to learn, this willingness to experiment. I think that's going to be the key. And, you know, it's been that way for quite a few years. Um, The key is we're teaching them how to learn. We're teaching them a mindset. We're teaching them how to deal with change, and how to deal with uncertainty. And I think that's going to be what helps them to be successful in the future. I think that makes perfect sense. And it's something that we've sort of said for years, but it's just, it's more serious and more applicable now than it's ever been. I think there was a time when you could just go in and say, I'm going to learn this body of knowledge and then I'll have a job. Now you have to learn about learning in order to be ready for whatever's there. Well, and I tell my students, learning doesn't stop when you leave the doors of FGCU. I've done my job if I teach you how to learn. And I also tell all of them, don't be surprised if you need to come back and take some AI courses from me in the future. Or you wanna learn about blockchain or you wanna learn about the internet of things. 
Always be open to learning. That's going to be the key that helps you to be successful in the future. Last question, and this is an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. How much different or similar do you think a four-year degree in business at FGCU will be in five years or 10 years? Like, is it, is it going to be similar? Is it going to change in any ways that you can predict? Or do you think it's beyond our ability to predict? You know, that's a good question. I think, given the rate of change that we have with technology, I think in many respects, I think we are going to see more new, more new technologies come out. I think people need to be prepared. They need to be uh, prepared to, to learn in this new environment. I think technology technology's here. I mean, think about how dependent we are on cell phones and how dependent we are on computers at this point. I think a lot of this emerging technology is only going to increase in scale. I think there's also some fear that the technology may come in and replace people. I think the people that are going to be successful will know when to use it and when not to use it. And I think they will be able to differentiate between the human and the artificial intelligence. And they need to recognize the path forward is to build on to what makes them unique as humans. That's things like our creativity, our emotional intelligence, our ability to cultivate relationships with people. AI can help to some degree, but we're not to the point where AI is going to take over managing those relationships. Well, we are unfortunately out of time. We'll have to have you back because I love talking about this stuff. Uh, Dr. Chris Ann Reilly is an artificial intelligence and machine learning researcher and strategist and a management instructor in FGCU's Lutgert College of Business. She's the provost faculty fellow for AI here at FGCU. Dr. Reilly, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director today is Jared Gonzalez. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thank you for listening. I'm Mike Canary. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.